Hi, I'm Megan Skidmore, and this is the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt. I'm a woman, daughter, sister, spouse, mother, life coach, and person of faith on a mission to normalize asking questions and allowing doubts, not only in a faith journey, but in all aspects of life. Join me in bringing this traditionally taboo topic out of the shadows of shame and into the light. I'm a firm believer that we normalize through more talking and engaging in discussion. More talking peels back, exposes, and erases the layers of shame associated with questions and doubts. When we're more authentic about our journey, we are more powerful because shame has no power in the face of authenticity. August of 2023 marks the one-year anniversary of Beyond the Shadow of Doubt. And simultaneously, we hit 5,000 downloads. My genuine thanks. I ask you a favor, and that is to subscribe if you have not, share a favorite episode with a friend, and most importantly, take two minutes and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Help me reach my goal of 10,000 downloads by the end of 2023. Now on to today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so thrilled to introduce you to my guest, Andrea Giles. Did I say that correctly? Yep. Awesome. Andrea and I go back quite a ways, various connections. When I was looking into being a coach three years ago, we were just reminiscing about this. It was three years ago exactly that you gave me all the ins and outs, the lowdown. We spent about two or more hours on the phone and you were so gracious to me. And uh, this is a huge full circle moment. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Having you on um, the podcast I never knew I was going to have. Yep. (laughs) I remember, I think you had just started yours or you were about to. That's right. I, it was exactly three years ago this month that I yeah. started it. Yep. I remember that. I'm thinking, oh, she's so brave and you still are. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm thrilled to have you today. Thank you. Thank you. I am just, I'm going to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to our listeners, um, share your background, um, whatever you feel comfortable, including about your family, your, your faith of upbringing, share about you know, your work as a coach and who you work with share all about you for all of us to know. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm Andrea Giles as as you've been told, uh, I live in Montana. I have a massive blended family by massive. I mean it there's, we have 12 kids between (laughs) us and we've been married seven years. I let's see how far back do you want to go? How far back you would like to? I think if you want to share about your niche, then probably okay. um, you can go as far back as at least 20, yep. 25 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I, I work with women who are navigating infidelity. Some men too. I work with both. Um, uh-huh. Currently my main offer, my main program is geared towards women, but I have one-on-one clients that I work with um, men who are navigating infidelity. I came into this niche because of personal experience in my first marriage with Mm. a lot of uh, betrayal, a lot of deception. And during that time, I had women coming to me and asking me for help, asking me questions. And I remember feeling like such a hot mess that I wasn't sure if I was advising them well, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But I did the best I could, but I could see that there was a lot of need and that I was not alone in my 
in my concerns and my heartbreak, I just felt really strongly that I, I needed to get through to the other side of it so that I could reach back and help other women. Fast forward, I ended up, um, I ended up getting divorced and shortly after I got divorced, I started going back to school to become a therapist. And I thought that that was the path I was going to take was therapy. I got a few years into that. Um, during that time, I will mention that shortly, just seven months after I got divorced, my first husband, uh, was killed in a car accident and that just rocked our world again. It was me and my six children, but I still felt dedicated to keeping, you know, continuing on with, with what I had promised to do. So I went, I was still doing schooling for therapy and then I was introduced to coaching and it kind of blew my mind. It was so different than what I was learning in therapy. I'd gone to so much therapy. I'd gone to group therapy, individual therapy, all the therapy, and it was just so much more helpful and effective. And I completely switched gears. So this was back in 2018. I went and uh, went through coach training, opened up shop the next year. A couple years before that, I should mention, I got remarried to a widower whose mm-hmm. wife had died of cancer. They had five children together. So we had a you know, big combined family. And then we had a very big surprise little baby girl who's now 20 months old. So she brings in the rear at number 12. So, yeah. So I've been practicing now since 20, 2019 and I've absolutely loved it. I've loved it. It's Mm -hmm. been wonderful. Yeah. I share a lot of those same sentiments about the therapy versus coaching, um, the parallels and the differences and they both have their place. And, and I echo what you said, how coaching is in some ways more effective. If a person is in a place where they have healed to a point that their therapist, of course, feels them a candidate for coaching. Yes. So great background. Thank you for sharing that with me. You bet. I've known you long enough to know that, you know, kind of the, the milestones of, of those things that happened. And um, I just, I just thank you for uh, showing up for yourself and for all of those women who you are helping and for being brave and sharing your story. Thank you. Um, And I know you have before today. Um, I just, I feel honored that you're here sharing it with me and our listeners. Thank you. Um, You know, a primary goal of mine in starting this podcast is I want to just normalize faith journeys and Mm -hmm. no two look alike. There's not a, they're supposed to look this way. There's no pre-qualifications. There's no boxes to check, really. It's just us, the individual, and and our higher power. I, I speak to, I, I work with folks of all different faith backgrounds. So however you refer to the divine, the universe, God, that power that is greater than all of us, however you refer to, to that being, that is very personal. And also, normalize that questions and doubts are a part of a faith journey. They're a part of life. Um, but my my focus is is more geared toward the faith journey. And I suppose that's the case because when I learned I was a parent of an LGBTQ plus child and growing up in the LDS faith, a very conservative Christian faith, um, 
it rocked my world. It was, um, it produced an enormous amount of cognitive dissonance and I just struggled, didn't quite know what to do with it all. And I found myself struggling to lean into having questions and how to deal with things when they came up. Because traditionally there's, there's a lot of shame around this topic and a lot of faith communities, not just the LDS faith community. And I don't know if you mentioned in your intro, but you also were raised in the LDS faith. Yes, correct. That is correct. From the time of birth, my whole life. Yep. Whole Mm -hmm. life. Right. Yep. So I would love for you to share with us, you know, about your faith journey. I, I have found that it's often when a person experiences a significant life event, maybe a fork in the road, we could call it. I have like a whole table full of cutlery (laughs) forks. I feel like sometimes (laughs) all the forks in the road, (laughs) you don't, yeah, Yeah. um, we don't need to (laughs) mention all of them, but perhaps there is a particular event that seemed to trigger it in what I call a pivot. Yeah. Yep. I have a few. Um, Uh I have a few. So yes, I was raised LDS. Both of my parents are converts. I will give a little bit of background here because it does play into what I, one of my big forks in the road. Um, My dad was a convert and he joined when he was, I think, 19. And he died in a, in a plane crash when I was two days old. So that's kind of how my life started was, with some, with some crisis. And my mom had three little kids. She got married once to a man who looked really good on paper and he was not, he was quite abusive. Um, then she got married again, a second time to my dad now, and they've been married for a long, long time. And I love him very much but things were really hard for a long time and i got married and really was a pretty obedient kid and i learned i learned growing up that the way for me to get attention or to get validation was by being good getting good grades doing well being exceptional at things um that's kind of how i coped with my home life was by and how i got attention was by being obedient and especially because I had some older siblings who were quite rebellious. That's kind of how I carved in my, my little piece of attention there. Okay. Anyway, I got, I got married young. Um, I was pushed to, you know, get married young and I did, uh, had kids right away. Anyway, down the road as i mentioned before i got divorced i was married for 16 years and in the lds faith it's the the temple ceiling is really really important right like temple ceiling you're you make promises to each other it's for not just for time but for all eternity and when my first husband died it left me in a little bit of a dilemma with our church policies and um Basically, the church policy is that a man can be sealed to two women, um, but a woman cannot be sealed to two men. And in order to have the the temple, like if I were to get uh, uh, cancel my sealing to my deceased first husband, 
I have to get permission to do so. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I would be my husband's second wife forever. Okay. Your first and, husband's second wife or your, oh, your current? my husband now. Yeah. My current yeah. husband, my current husband, if I were to get re- resealed, I would be his spouse, like his second okay. spouse internally. Okay. And also for our listeners who are of other faith backgrounds, sealing is um, a word that is similar to the word marriage, but it's covenants that are made in the house, the, the temple, the house of the Lord of our faith. Mm-hmm. And so when Andrea saying sealed, it's essentially marriage. Yep. Yep. And, but it's eternal. It's very, right. you know, eternal. Yes. And yes. that's very crucial to our faith is eternal, yes. right? Eternal families is like a very pivotal piece of our, of our faith. And, you know, it really, um, it was, a, it brought up a lot of pain for me, a lot of pain to feel like my best bet was to either stay with this person who had really betrayed my trust again and again and again, or to be the second wife eternally. Right. Yeah. And you know, I'm, when I talked to different people about it, it was, oh, it'll work out. It'll work out in the end. Don't worry about it. It'll work out. Um, but a couple of things happened that I'll share here. One is that I did actually request to have my, my, my temple, uh, ceiling canceled with my first husband. I did request that. And the response that I got was that they needed to talk to my oldest son and to my deceased husband's parents. And, um, you know, as far as like a fork in the road for me, what that, what all of these things has really busted open in me in a big way is that I, a realization that I have been taught and trained to give other people more authority over me and my decisions than me. And I can see how it has really hurt me and how it has really diminished my own belief in myself, my own um, ability to really stand up for myself and a real fear of of what others think and wanting to please, right? Especially men, especially men. And um, this, I grew up in a really authoritarian type home. It's my way or the highway. Um, and yeah. then, and then with with the religious aspect of, I couldn't even choose to cancel my ceiling without having other people involved. It couldn't just be my choice. And I just, I, sh- I just dropped it. I, I dropped it. I haven't followed up with it because really the reality for me is that there are no options in our faith culture, in our faith policies that feel really good to me, that feel like heaven to me. And so I have shelved it and not, not done anything with it. That's one big fork. Um, that was a big fork. But where I where things have really busted open for me, like really busted open, are similar to you. I I have more than one child who identifies in the LGBTQ uh, camp, and they're still navigating exactly you know they're you know all of the the exact pronouns and all the things and I'm I'm doing my best to help guide them through that and educating myself it's been quite an education 
but it's been really, really painful to stare down, to really look at how my faith community does not support the LGBTQ community and offering the same blessings and the things that that we hold as the highest blessings in our in our faith that they are not offered just straight up are not offered to the LGBTQ community and I when when I first like started talking with one child in particular and really going under this is for real and you need to take this seriously this is real and be careful like yeah. be careful here like this is her her life this is her yeah. life be careful I was just so crushed to think of what what the messaging I've, I've been very protective you know of like what the messaging is to her like the current messaging the current things that are taught and it just has really bu busted me open honestly and made me kind of question everything um big fork in the road yeah yeah, yeah. those are almost pitchforks in the road really uh, yes are, i i appreciate so much you sharing this and you know i'm going to be totally real as you're talking i found myself questions are coming up for me on your behalf and here's here's the definition of privilege before i had this conversation with you truthfully a few of the questions that are coming up for me i haven't had to grapple with because it doesn't necessarily apply to my specific life situation, like considering whether or not to have a ceiling canceled, something yeah. that in our faith is seen as very absolute, very, um, yes, eternal. But then by extension, what that means for my children or would mean for those children, right? Yeah. I, I can't imagine the pain and realizing um, that you most of your life had been, I don't know, conditioned, trained, taught to, to give your authority to others more so than your own self. That is a difficult awakening to have. And yes. I, I know you are not alone in that. I, um, I've talked with many people both on and off the mic and I, a, a lot of things are happening. So, so thank you for sharing that, uh, a, a motto I live by, uh, it doesn't have to happen to you for it to matter to you. And so what you're sharing matters to me. Those are important things. And my heart hurts for you that you were faced with such a difficult type of decision to make. And I don't blame you at all for tabling it for, for now. Um, Thank you. No judgment at all. Um, zero. Yeah. So you sharing me with with me and our listeners, I knew about your your kiddos who identified as LGBTQ plus. I didn't know if they were out on a broader sense. So I appreciate you sharing that. And um, yeah, there are a lot in that camp, as you called it. One thing that you said really struck me is that you felt protective you have been protective of your kids and you the the dialogue the internal dialogue you were having was to be careful this is 
her life. And I cannot agree with that more. One thing that has been heartbreaking for me is to, you know, I'm not a member of the community myself, but I, but yet I identify as an LGBTQ plus mama. And so I see myself very much as an advocate and a stone catcher and somebody there to spread more education and love and acceptance. And what you said resonates with me. I feel like that particular group is not seen on a very, very basic human level Yeah, to their core. And you're right. They don't have just blessings that, again, the definition of privilege that we, um, if you identify as cisgender, meaning you identify with the sex that you are assigned at birth and you're heteronormative, you're yeah. in a male and female relationship, you don't, it just doesn't even cross your radar. And so, yeah, those, those are huge forks for sure. I would like to take it a little bit deeper and talk about what it looks like for you to navigate that. I mean, maybe if we're talking, you know, we kind of have zoomed out, we've got a little picture, a, a picture of your story, so to speak, if we can zoom in, you know, when these big forks happened, I think one of the things that's kind of mysterious because we don't necessarily talk about it is how to navigate it and how I, I don't believe there's any one correct way to navigate it. I think that that's been perhaps a misconception because of the fact we don't talk as openly or as vulnerably about things that we have questions about or things that truly are doubts and trying to peel back those layers of, of shame surrounding this topic by normalizing that it's just part of our human experience, really. Yep. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like for you when you were, when you were faced with these, these crossroads that didn't make sense to you? And I mean, you said you tabled one of them. There was a process that, you know, did you feel like you could talk about it in your faith communities or in your, even by extension, when I say in your faith communities, that doesn't have to mean in the actual church building, right? It could be in conversations outside one-on-one, or maybe even at a lunch with a friend or or perhaps with family members. And so I use the word community kind of on a, on a Mm -hmm. broader sense. So it depends on who I have, I have talked about it. With the ceiling situation, I remember I was at a live event with Jennifer Finlayson Fife, who okay. many listeners have probably heard of. Yes. And I directly asked her, I told her my situation, and she very emphatically gave an answer and said, mm. I just, I don't believe it. I, she said, I, I think that, that the whole polygamy, eternal polygamy thing is false doctrine. And she recommended a book to read called The Ghost of Eternal Polygamy. And mm-hmm. I went and read that, and uh, the name of the author is escaping me at the moment. It's Carolyn uh, Car- Pearson. Yes. Carolyn yes. Pearson. Yes. Thank you. And I, I actually read the book and reached out to her, and she wrote oh. back. I did. She wrote back, and she that so much. And she just gave the most beautiful counsel. Like this is how much this issue has wreaked havoc in my heart. Like it has felt crushing to feel forever in a secondary position like forever in a yeah. um yeah just like a, a marginalized 
to to men right mm -hmm. yeah yeah and um and she just gave me the best counsel that was all about love and just giving everything i have to my current marriage and loving him and loving us and building that and no real answers but i think love is a pretty darn good answer right yes. um my church leaders different church leaders have even my my it was actually my stake president at the time that actually encouraged me to to pursue it um to pursue canceling it and he was pretty floored he was pretty floored he was kind of upset for me that that was the response the, but, the response was to get permission from yeah and and the parents of your deceased yeah it didn't say permission it said they wanted to talk to them oh, um, they okay. they wanted to hear from them their opinion their thoughts their you know concerns things like that and you so know even then it just felt such a like such a, a slap in the face like gosh you they you have all of the information from my bishop from my stake president my own lived experience and what it felt like is you don't believe me it's not good enough it's not valid enough and that i really don't have a choice that i can't just choose it and you know going back i think that i need to mention something else that is pretty crucial in my upbringing so my dad died when i was two days old my mm -hmm. mom got remarried and after they had been married for 11 years they really desired to be sealed and my own mother was faced with the decision to pursue canceling her sealing to my dad so she could be sealed to my stepdad because if she were a man she wouldn't have to choose she could be sealed to both but because she was a woman she had to choose and she did get permission and she did cancel her sealing to my dad and she got sealed to my stepdad and that happened when i i think i was a freshman in college when that happened what was that like for you um, for me personally, like it logically made sense that she was only married to my real dad for four years before he died. I, it, it logically made sense to me, but what I have seen over the years is my brother who's four years older than me, who, when that happened, he had just gotten married in the temple, all of that. And it, it was crushing to him just, and, and this is my brother's, the son of our dad as well. Right. Um, and it was crushing to him because it's like, wait a minute, we preach eternal families, but if I die, like she could just go, he felt like my mom was kind of kicking him to the curb. And I know that's not the case. And I, you know, I know that's not the case, but it was very, very crushing for my brother and all these for years, it has been a source of a lot of pain for him. And for me personally, it's just been something there that I kind of filed away, set to the side yeah. and and then it became a really big issue for me right just like you, that quote you said earlier like about so, it's so easy to not really think about something yeah. until it's right in your face and suddenly it's been right in my face right and so for me to navigate this i really have just for my own peace i've had to just kind of set it down and but but what i'm not setting down is is the in in my opinion like the blatant inequality in it and a lot of inequality in many areas that need to be changed that need to be changed and 
you know, there's nothing I can do today about the situation, but I can become a better advocate for change. So I I hear you on so many levels. How does one, like you work with others who are perhaps faced with a similar choice? Yes, I do. And how does one, I, I don't know the right word to use, come back from or recover, you know, our faith communities are are like a, a home, we could say, for many, especially if that's all you knew your entire life. Yep. And at the heart of it, m- most that I know don't really want to leave. If that's the case, there's usually a pretty darn good reason. And it often um, has to do with a lot of hurt, a lot of uh, misunderstanding or um, not not feeling seen, I guess. Yep. But you um, have, you know, you you went ahead and married your second husband, and you have a large, bustling, blooming, energetic family life. So, how does one come back from that experience, mm. which, like you said, was crushing, absolutely yeah. crushing to feel? Like I would be second, how did you say second rate or second for eternity? Mm -hmm. And that what I had to say wasn't enough. How do you, you know, know, step in front of the other forward? Yeah. So really, I will just be so honest with you here. Where I'm at right now Uh with, with all the things, just all the things I've, I've really in the past year or so given myself permission to really look at everything and challenge everything, question everything and go like run it through the filter of what do I think? Not what does so-and-so think, not what this person thinks. Andrea, what do you think? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's been a really beautiful experience to learn my own mind actually to really step into becoming a more critical thinker and really looking at what I think. And for me in the past, it's been about a year since things have really cracked open in my, Uh in my faith journey. Uh And what it has meant to me is this beautiful space of being more honest, more like in a true pursuit of truth, like truly pursuing truth and truly pursuing what it looks like for me to live in full integrity with my own values, with my own views. Um, and you know, I'm still in it. I'm not going to lie. I'm still navigating. I'm I still think, navigating. I think we all are right. Yeah. Yes. Every day brings new insight or information or experience. Um, yes. The living we're truly living beings on not just a physical level, but an emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, yes. right? Yep.
Appreciate you joining my conversation with Andrea Giles today. I hope you felt the sincerity of her work. When she and I continue our conversation, she shares part of what has been so hard for her personally, and that is that one of the core tenets of the LDS faith is about agency that we get to choose. And what she has learned in her own words, I had my choice taken from me. I didn't get to choose. Make sure to subscribe and follow to be notified first when part two drops in episode number 68. Come join me in Hopeful Spaces, a Dallas Hope Charities component of Hopeful Discussions, which is sponsored by Mercedes-Benz Financial Services USA. Hopeful Spaces is a monthly parent, caregiver, and ally support group facilitated by Megan Skidmore Coaching. To join is free. Simply send an email to chc at dallashopecharities.org. Visit meganskidmorecoaching.com where you can find this podcast as well as additional free resources. Check the podcast show notes on any platform for links to sources cited. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram for more and to send me a DM. To help the podcast grow, please follow, rate, and review as well as share it with a friend. Beyond the Shadow of Doubt is a proud member of the Dialogue Podcast Network, which is a part of the Dialogue Journal found at dialoguejournal.com forward slash podcast network. Founder Eugene England was a Mormon writer, teacher, and scholar who wrote, My faith encourages my curiosity and awe. It thrusts me out into relationship with all creation and encourages me to enter into dialogue. My hope is that this podcast is an extension of that vision. Thanks for being here. Until next time.